Today, we are starting into a new teaching series here at Covenant entitled Lost and Found. It's going to be a five-week series where we are going to be making our way through this one parable, these seven verses each and every week. And that may feel like a lot of time to spend on one parable, but there are so many layers here that I think are going to affect the way we think as well as the way we live in very real and important ways. And I look forward to this journey with you. As part of the series, there are going to be two communal initiatives that we're going to take. The first is that the week of October 4th through the 11th is going to be Pledge Emphasis Week here, where we are going to be inviting each and every one of you to participate in contributing a pledge to the 2021 budget here at Covenant. We hope that you will do so. The second initiative is going to take place on October 25th, the final Sunday of this series, where we will be announcing a new initiative through our Institute for Missional Formation. Now, if you're newer to Covenant, you might not know what the Institute is. The Institute was created in our last capital campaign as kind of a think tank for how it is in this post-Christendom age we live out our calling in authentic and in genuine ways. And a task force has been working on this initiative for over a year. Session has passed it even in the midst of 2020. And it is one of the most creative things that I have ever known of a church to engage in. And we are so excited to unveil it with you as a capstone on this series. So mark October 25th on your calendar We hope you'll be with us. Now, in this parable today, we're going to be kind of setting the stage for where we're going to journey over the next five weeks. And and so let's go ahead and, and jump in. The first thing that I want you to know about this parable, the parable of the lost sheep, is that it is given by Jesus as a response to criticism he's given. Now, the criticism that he's been given is from the religious people, from the Pharisees and the scribes. And their complaint about him and their criticism of him is that he doesn't honor the separation between the good people and the bad people, the clean people and the unclean people, the religious people who have sought to follow the rules and those who have been uh, living life on their own terms. And, and, And in muddying the waters there and in knocking down those barriers of who's included and who's left out, It has rubbed the religious people the wrong way. So their criticism is he hangs out with sinners. He hangs out with prostitutes. He hangs out with tax collectors. How can this be an anointed teacher from God? This parable is the first of three in a row that Jesus teaches in Luke 15. And it's Jesus' rebuttal against the uh, Pharisees, against the religious people. He doesn't debate them, but rather he tells these parables as a response And this parable has so much to say to you and I here today about what the call of God is upon our lives. Today, I want us to focus primarily on the two images that Jesus introduces in this parable. The first image is the image of sheep. And the second is the image of a shepherd. The image of sheep and the image of a shepherd. And it's those images that I want us to live in us and our minds and our hearts and uh, in our lives this day, but also this week. So first off, let's start with sheep. Now, it would have been shocking to all of those there that in this parable, Jesus says that there are a hundred sheep 
And at 99 of them are in the fold and one of them goes away. And the reason that it would have been shocking is because what Jesus means by this is that people are the sheep. You're the sheep. I'm the sheep. The Pharisees are the sheep. The sinners that, he's ta- that, that they're talking about are the sheep. Everyone and every time and every ethnicity and every culture over time, the, we the people, we are the sheep. Now, when you hear that, you might not be as initially shocked by it as the Pharisees would have been. Because often when we think of sheep, we kind of think of, uh, of soft, cuddly, cute. Uh, we think of them like on the, the, the hillside and the lamb sort of jumping around. Uh, we think of them when we're supposed to be going to bed at night. We count sheep because they're these peaceful things and it helps us to drift off. And, and all of that may be true, but I have had a little bit more exposure to sheep in my married life than I did before. And it's taught me some things about sheep. You see, one of the major industries in Wales, where my wife is from, is sheep farming. There are more uh, sheep in Wales than there are people. Sheep are everywhere. They're in the mountains. They're on the hills. They're in the valleys. We've had times where they've been just filling up the streets uh, in her village. Sheep are all over the place. And yes, they're cuddly. And yes, they're they're fluffy. And yes, they're kind of uh, cute and everything else. But the thing about sheep is they're also really dumb. Really dumb. And you might be sitting there going, this feels judgmental on the sheep. I feel like we need to affirm the sheep a little bit. Let me share with you a headline. Come up on your screen right now. It's from uh, the BBC from just a few years ago. And it's a story that was covered by news outlets all over the world. It's of a mass jump that sheep made in eastern Turkey. And to set the scene for you, what happened is there were a number of shepherds who had been out with the, with the herds overnight, and they were getting together for a quick breakfast in eastern Turkey. And they brought all of their herds together and thought that they were safely uh, put in, uh, in a certain area where they'd be safe. But as they're eating a quick breakfast, one of the sheep got out of wherever they were staying and went headlong for the side of a cliff and for some unknown reason jumped off of the cliff and died at the base of a cliff. It was a long jump. And so there were about 1,500 sheep there. And over the next few minutes, while the shepherds were trying to get to the uh, sheep horrified, all 1,500 followed that one sheep. All 1,500 went charging off of that cliff, and it did not end well. You would have thought that by like sheep 1,430, when they saw what happened, one of them would have stopped and gone, I don't know, maybe we need to think what we're doing here. Look at this photo. It's up here. Yes, it's sweet. Yes, it's cuddly. Yes, it's fluffy. But look into its eyes. There's not much going on there. This thing's not doing advanced trigonometry. It's not worrying about the ethical dilemmas of modern life. Jesus is saying that we are like sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, there's no such thing as 99 obedient ones and one that wanders away. What happens is we've just got a snapshot of the time that this one has wandered away. But over time, all of them are going to wander. That's what sheep do. Jesus is saying the sinners are the sheep and the Pharisees are the sheep and you're the sheep and I'm the sheep. And there's no differentiation of good sheep and bad sheep. They're just sheep. They go wandering. Isaiah 53.6 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us. And a question that we need to ponder is how is it that we might be lost right now in our lives? Maybe in a large way feeling lost. Maybe in certain aspects of our life 
Where do we feel like right now we're wandering? And when we realize that all of us are wandering, we realize why it is that it was important that we have a a confession every time we worship. Sometimes it's in song. Sometimes, like today, John led us in a confession. But we don't sit there when we confess and worship and sit there and go, a few of you might need to do this. A few of you have wandered away. But the rest of the herd will say this prayer because, you know, we just don't want you to feel individualized or ostracized in any kind of way. No, what we're saying is all of us need to confess. All of us need to pray this prayer. All of us need to understand that we, like sheep, have gone astray. Not just 30 years ago, not just 20 years ago. Today, this week, there's something in our nature that we wander away from the shepherd. We wander away from the herd. And in our culture, we sometimes celebrate the individualism of that. And yet, rarely, when that's what we do, does that end in a place of health and flourishing. The spiritually mature question as sheep to ask is not whether we're the ones that wander or not. Sheep wander. Is The question to ask is when we see those places where we feel lost, where we're wandering, where life's not coming together the way it's supposed to be, where we're not flourishing in our relationships and our lives, to ask ourselves is part of the reason that we are lost and wandering right now because we've chosen to wander away from the herd We've chosen to wander away from the shepherd. To ask that question takes a maturity that's important for us to be able to develop. So that's the first image, that we are sheep. Now the second image that Jesus says is that there is also a shepherd. And while the Pharisees would have liked to have been the shepherds here, it's very clear in this story that there's only one and that the shepherd is not a person. The shepherd is God. God is the shepherd. The creator is the shepherd, not anything in the creation. And what would have been shocking about this, while being the sheep is shocking, also the idea of how this shepherd operates is shocking. Because when Jesus asked the question that Paulette read in the scriptures and said, uh, which one of you, if you had one sheep wandered away, wouldn't go after it and leave the 99, if you had had a good shepherd in the crowd, and maybe Jesus did, that shepherd would have raised their hand and been like, I, I wouldn't do that. This is bad shepherding. You don't leave the 99 to go after the one because the 99 are then going to go cliff jumping. The 99 are going to wander off and start doing it. That's what sheep do. A good shepherd doesn't endanger all 100 to go looking for the one that wandered off. Think of it this way. This might make it help us to understand it more and, and, and to see what's so shocking about what the shepherd does. If you were going to the store and you had to buy something and you had $100 in cash, you had $101 bills, and you got to the store and counted out your money as you were going to buy the items that you need and realized that you only had $99 there, that somewhere between walking from your house to the store, you had lost $1. You didn't even look then to sit there and go, well, can I still buy this? You just said, I'm going to take the $99 and lay it down on the shelf in the store, and no one's watching it, and I'm going to go back outside and wander back towards my house seeking to find this $1. This $1 is just so important to me, and I'm certain that the $99 will be there and be fine. I might be gone for 10 minutes. I might be gone for four hours. If I did that, you would rightfully question my judgment. If my children did that, I would question their judgment. A shepherd doesn't leave wandering sheep to go off for the one. But God does. 
Jesus says that God goes and searches for this one. And what's revealing in what Jesus shares here is that the reason God goes and search for the one is not because God's angry. It's not because God's going to heap guilt or, or shame upon this sheep. It's out of a love for the sheep. And when God finds it, he doesn't punish the sheep. He, he picks it up and puts it on his shoulders and carries it back and then goes into the village where he lives and leads the neighbors in rejoicing. I love this image of God, not this austere parent quoting rules at us, but a God that, that the heart of God is to rejoice and to celebrate. Why? Out of love for us. We all go wandering, but the heart of the shepherd is to pursue in love and to bring us back in love. I heard it described this way recently. Someone said that if you go into another person's house, if you go into someone's apartment, or maybe you visit their social media page, you're going to often see photos that are up, maybe framed pictures that are up. And it can tell you a lot about the person you're visiting. If you see certain pictures that are framed, certain people that these photos are up, they tell you about the, the family that's there. They tell you about the person that's there and who they love and what they value. I know in our house this is true. Some of you have been in our home before, and in the main hallway, there's some built-in shelves there, and we have 15 framed pictures all on these shelves. These are pictures of Christmas cards we've made through the years, starting with the, the year that our oldest daughter, Miriam, was born. Every year, it's a Christmas card. Sometimes it's a selfie that we've taken of ourselves. Sometimes it's another person who takes the photos of us. We don't just put them up at Christmas. They're there 365 days a year. And it tells the story of our family. There's pets in some of them. There's, there's different homes in some of them. There's the stages of our children growing up. It tells the story of our family. Those photos are up because they have meaning about who and what we value. This year, there'll be a 16th one going up in a couple of months. And it's 2020. So it's going to be a probably a photo of us from our home because that's what 2020 is. But a 16th will go up that tells our story of who we are and what we love. This person that I heard talking about this said, you know, if God had a home with photos framed in it, your picture would be there. And that when people came to visit, God would take the photo frame that you're in and would bore people telling them stories of you as, as a parent or a, or a grandparent does. Just loving, saying, this is who I value. This is what I love. Not because of the good things they do. I'm not ashamed of the bad things that they do. I just love. They are the beloved. Doesn't matter what's going on in their marriage. Doesn't matter what's going on in their lives. Doesn't matter what's going on in their college degrees or how much they earn or what kind of sin is alive. Yes, I want all of that to work in, in new and in healthier directions, but it does not impact their value. This is the heart of the shepherd. It's an amazing declaration of love that you have more worth, more value, more importance than you can possibly imagine. Not because you've earned it, but because God declares it. This week, I want these images to just live in you to live in your mind, to live in your heart, to pay attention to these two images and where they're alive. First off, to ask yourself the question, 
How are you lost? How are you wandering right now? To pay attention to those places, maybe in your marriage, maybe financially, maybe in your career, maybe in school, maybe in friendships, maybe with your sense of direction in life. Where do you feel lost? Where do you feel wandering? Maybe even ask the question, how might choices you're making contribute to that, to wandering away? But I also this week want you to pay attention to where you see the fingerprints of the shepherd. Because God loves you. God is pursuing you. God is coming for you out of a reckless love with no sense of decorum, ready to sweep us up again and again and again and with rejoicing bring us home to where we flourish. To celebrate the inbreaking of God in your life this week. To celebrate the heart of the shepherd. Hallelujah and amen.